Welcome to a special Christmas break edition of a Cup of Gratitude podcast. And I'm over here making air quotes because I'm really not slowing down or taking a break or not doing anything during this time. But I think we're all busy with family things, spending our time intentionally with others, celebrating our holiday, and I want to honor that. So as a special gift to you, I'm excited to share a few audio versions of my blog where I go a lot deeper into God's Word, and as I'm asking questions and digging, God shows me these amazing treasures and nuggets that I want to share with you. So you can go to a acupofgratitude.org website and begin reading these. I'll put that in the show note if you're interested, and if you like them, please subscribe. Um, I also have a free printable gratitude journal page in the resources section of the website for you that you can print out as many as you want and have your own free gratitude journal. Um, I just thought that for the next four weeks, that it would be nice to share these posts, which are a lot shorter, just with an audio twist. So uh, I'm also going to be featuring Laurel Taylor's music all four weeks. I've gotten to know her and love her and her family. She's a wonderful Christian artist, and I know you're going to love her too if you haven't already discovered her. Her amazing story is on season four, episode number three of A Cup of Gratitude, and her parents actually decided to share their story as well, which is on season four, episode number 10. If you haven't already heard these interviews, I know you'd love them, so just go back and take a listen. They're powerful stories of hope and freedom. And in January, Laurel has a brand new song coming out that really means a lot to her. So we decided we're going to sit down and have another episode together where she gives us a sneak peek uh, behind the scenes of her newest song. And she shares the process of how it came to be. And we'll delve into the backstory, what it's like sharing and writing a song, all the different steps of what it's actually like to get a song out there for someone who's a Christian music artist. A lot's been happening for Laurel in the past year, really good things, as she's been obedient to God and shared her story while also sharing the talents that he's given her musically. And just in case you're new to the show, Laurel Taylor is a singer, songwriter, and producer whose roots and influences of rock, country, and gospel blend together to give her a unique and edgy sound. She has toured around the world from small-town music festivals— to the bars of Nashville, to European tours. She has worked with and performed with a variety of artists, including Lauren Daigle, Jason Crabb, Micah Tyler, Cutlass, Sanctus Rio, Rhett Walker, Diamond Rio, and CCR. She has a heart full of joy and a desire to share the love of Jesus with everyone through her music. So let's get started. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you a blog post that I wrote called A Strong East Wind. Did you ever realize that when God opened the Red Sea, he did so with a strong east wind that blew all night? I always had this image of Moses raising his hand over the sea and then the sea just opening and making a way for the Israelites to cross. But that's not what the scripture says. It says that God sent a strong east wind. There are places in the Bible 
Where an east wind is sent to destroy the wicked, for example, the locusts in Exodus came from an east wind, but at the same time, the east often declares the presence of God. The wise men saw a star in the east and traveled from the east to find the infant Jesus. The Messiah, when he arrived, was meant to come from the east, specifically the Mount of Olives. The east is the source of blessing and divine salvation. And just as the right hand is biblical symbolism for a place of honor and status, sovereignty and authority, the east is symbolic as well. Did you know that the cloud and the pillar that led the Israelites through the wilderness to the Red Sea moved from in front of them to behind them, staying between them and their enemies? The cloud and the pillar kept it light as day for God's people and at the same time, as dark as night for the Egyptian army. And it was all night long. The cloud and the pillar continued to create light and darkness the entire time that God's east wind continued to blow. I looked it up and I read that it would have had to have been, at the very least, a 63 mile an hour wind coming from the east for at least 12 hours to have done what was done. So let me ask you a question. Do you think God can do that? Do you think God did that? Or do you think that just happened? Because that's why I think he used an east wind. I mean, God chose to control something that he created to allow you to be skeptical if you choose to be and to allow you to have faith in him if you want to. Isn't he always giving us choice? A wind that's strong, we call a gale wind. In Hebrew, the word gale means father rejoiced or the father's joy. (laughs) Let's catch this. The father rejoiced as he made a way to freedom for his people. Let's look at the scripture together in two translations. Let's look first uh, in the NIV. This is Exodus 14, 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea all that night. The Lord drove a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. And this is the same Exodus 14, 21 in the NLT. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. In both cases, there was a strong east wind. And in both cases, it was the Lord doing the work. God is doing a new thing. He is intentionally protecting his people and providing a way through to a freedom that they could not provide for themselves. I couldn't help but notice the timing of this provision. I couldn't help but think that although the color of the sea wasn't red, the name was a name that made me think of another red liquid, blood. Was this a coincidence? Was this just happenstance? I mean, this was the final act of God delivering his people from slavery. Why was it there, I wondered? God could have chosen any place, but he chose the Red Sea. Did you know that although most days the Red Sea isn't red, there are times when it becomes populated by extensive blooms of the algae called Trichodesmium erythium, and I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong, I tried, which upon dying off turns the sea a reddish color. (laughs) These algae bloom in spring. 
Passover begins on the 15th day of the month of Nisan, which typically falls in March or April of the Gregorian calendar, which is spring. So this would be the exact time that the Red Sea was actually red. Another coincidence? I think not. Nothing is a coincidence with God. He speaks through every detail. He is present in each moment of the ever-changing fabric of our lives. You may be wondering, why am I writing about the Red Sea? Why am I now doing an audio version of this? It's because I had a thought, a fleeting inkling, a nagging question in my spirit. What if the Red Sea represented the blood of Christ? What if this exodus from death to life, from slavery to freedom, through a way that man could never make on his own, was literally a picture of what the holy blood of Jesus on the cross would do for you and me? I mean, wow. God doesn't waste a thing. He is the most detail-oriented storyteller of all time. He tells the stories we need to hear. His stories are full of love, grace, hope, and forgiveness. Because of this, when I have a question, I ask him. And I would highly suggest that you try this too. Read the Bible and listen to his voice. Keep asking and allow him to show you the details, the nuances, and the meaning that is layered throughout his word. In the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Next, God created light and called it good. He called the light day and the darkness night. God went on to separate and name the sky, and then he separated the waters below from the dry ground. And yes, you guessed it, he named them too, the land and the seas. So let me ask you this. If God created all of this, if he took the time to name his creations and declare their goodness, why couldn't he choose to separate a tiny little red sea? The same spirit that hovered over the earth when it was formless and empty, when darkness was over the surface of the deep in Genesis 1, 1 through 2, that's the same spirit of God that was moving and working as God the Father spoke creation into being. It was his Holy Spirit wind that hovered and blew the waters away from the land. It was ultimately his breath that would fill the lungs of man the man he formed out of dust. He breathed into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living, breathing being. That's Genesis 2-7. God created heaven and earth. He formed Adam and brought him to life with his ruach, which is a Hebrew word meaning both wind and breath. This word, used to describe the breath of God, alludes to the power that releases the breath or the wind. The definition of this word is pointing to this being a life source that sustains all living things. And this is the same word used back in Genesis 1 through 2. The idea of breath is completely integral to the human experience. I mean, we can't live without taking a breath of life. When the Old Testament becomes the New Testament, the need for this word still exists. And so we see the Greek word pneuma, which continues to refer to the Holy Spirit. 
In Matthew 3.16, when the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in the form of a dove, the New Testament uses the word pneuma to describe the Holy Spirit. Similar to ruach, although mostly used in reference to the Holy Spirit, this word can also refer to the animating life principle that exists in humans, a soul or a spirit. Both ruach and pneuma refer to a life force. Nothing created can exist on its own. Everything needs a life force to animate them. Even in all of our own strength and technology, we can't command stones to live or our lungs to work as we please. So, although all things may have a ruach with a lowercase r, only one thing is ruach with a capital R. And that's God. God doesn't need anything to exist. He is. Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. That's John 8, 58. Because God exists, we exist. And without him, nothing can exist. With all that said, can we now begin to believe that indeed it was God who created the Red Sea, who by his spirit easily moved it by his strong east wind while he kept his people safe in daylight and their enemies confounded in darkness. God's ways are higher than our ways. Not only is he able to do more than we can think or imagine, but he will do things in a way that brings those who love him good while bringing glory to himself. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, Romans eight twenty eight. He deserves all of the glory. And what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. I am so grateful to get a chance to talk about the things that I really love, to dig deeply into the Word of God, spending time journaling with Him, looking things up, listening to the direction of His Holy Spirit, and and sharing those things with you today, well, that's really special for me. Well, I'm looking forward to the next few weeks. And now I want to introduce you to this amazing song by Laurel Taylor. You're making all things new for my good. And you're Just believe it And you're everything I want Will you just teach me To love you when I don't If I could just believe is gone
it over me I will sing out a new song, a new melody Push past the darkness so I will not fear Doubt and confusion, you're not welcome here All of the lies that were said over me I will sing out a new song, a new melody Be